So Money episode 1513, comedian and writer Nathan McIntosh, star of Money Never Wakes. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. How did we ever decide to lend students money in the first place? Didn't didn't that seem like a terrible idea? Somebody just out of high school, they have one poster to their name? Why? There are people with jobs and credit who can't get loans. They walk into banks with business plans. They're like, two-year projection, five-year projection. The bank's like, get out of here, man. It'll never work. And then some kid waddles in. What do you need? The horse literature degree. Okay. Here's $80,000. Welcome to So Money, everybody. Ready for some laughter to kick off the week? I am. I have the very funny, loud, energetic Nathan McIntosh on the show today. He's a comedian and writer originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia, now living in New York. He has most recently performed on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. He's also appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Conan on TBS. And this year, he released his first self-produced special called Money Never Wakes on YouTube. It was highly reviewed by The New York Times. I watched it. It is hilarious. Nate riffs on student loans, as you just heard, billionaires, side hustles. You have to check him out. I've got all of his links in our show notes, but he is a comedian to watch. And on the show today, we talk about how he became so fascinated with the world of money and the humor that he finds and the lens of comedy through which he looks at the financial world behind the scenes of being a stand-up comedian, trying to make it, and the best piece of money advice he ever got from a fellow comedian. Here's Nathan McIntosh. Nathan McIntosh, welcome to So Money. I almost missed this interview because I was watching your YouTube special. Thank you so much for bringing comedy to what is the most taboo topic. I mean, we know no one talks about money, which is part of the act, part of the humor too, of like, let's, you really talk about money on stage. Congrats to that. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you. I appreciate you checking it out. And uh, yeah, nobody does talk about money. And that's one of the things, right? They say you can't talk about money, politics, and religion. Those are the three, right? Somebody the other day came up to me and they were like, are you watching Vanderpump Rules? I'm like, (laughs) don't talk about (laughs) that. Don't talk about this. I'd I'd much rather somebody come out and go, how much money do you have in the bank? I'm like, well, this is at least a more interesting conversation. Yeah. Maybe that should be like your next, you know, thing, your next side hustle, because we know you love side hustles, <laughs> um, like going on the street. And, uh, no, seriously, you should watch everybody watch Nathan's uh, videos on the side hustle culture. But that's an interesting idea of like going out on the street and just putting a mic in someone's mouth and going, how much do you make? Um, or wait, I guess that's already being done. And I think those people are lying, which yes. brings us to your comedy. There's a lot that you talk about, about this culture around money that promotes dishonesty. Can mm-hmm. you talk about that a little bit? Cause let's, let's start there. Well, I guess, yeah. One, I don't think everybody's doing as well as they perceive themselves to be online is say that the, the money guru people, any of these people, um, you know, they're getting off of private jets. They're, they're all these quick shots of them flying around, meeting these cool people, all this sort of thing. I'm like, there's just no way. And also the more that you, the older you get, you kind of go, 
there's there's no way this many people have this much. There's just no way that this mm-hmm. many people have this much money. It's insane. It makes no sense. Um, and also the dishonesty I feel in terms of uh, like I talk about in the thing. You know how banks kind of talk to us. Every every poster for the bank is some smiling. We got ad. your back. Yeah, yeah, we got your back. You know, you're a five foot six um, diminutive woman, and you should have a checking account that appreciates that. You're like, what does that have to? What does that mean? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. I, I've tried to talk to uh, about a bunch of those things in this in this special. Your observations about our fraught financial system, the 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 the, the humor that is you know, rich people, especially in New York, like rich in New York is a whole other level. You, you started out on the special talking about like when you were growing up and you're from Nova Scotia, I was reading that rich was like someone with a garage and I go, and you, then you were like in New York. And I was like, what? It's like when someone has a garage in New York, that's their billionaires, like people with their <laughs> own garages in New York, like that's rich, which is might be like middle America rich. I was funny, laughing because you were like, you know, you meet all sorts of interesting people in New York and how they created their wealth. It's not like the Rockefellers anymore. It's like I invented, was it parking, you know? And I was like, I actually met somebody at work one day when I was starting out in New York whose grandfather made the first ever like microwavable chicken nuggets or something. And girl, this girl was eating out every night on the Upper East Side when I was at home eating, you know, Subway. Um, yeah, invented the chicken nugget. I mean, my God, that's that's got to be all the money that's ever been made no, it's like, ever. It's like as if that wasn't convenient enough. He was like, what if we microwave it? Yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. if it comes in a box and then you can microwave it? You that's the type of money. That's the type of money that like there's constantly big trucks just pouring. You can't you cannot spend that money. Enough. There's no way you can spend. all. I mean, that. it it's was impossible. like talk about generational wealth. No wonder she could be this low paid. And this, this was like my friend at work. She was making like no money, but lived in her own apartment, had the nicest clothes. And Mm -hmm. that goes back to you were saying about the dishonesty, which is that Mm. people, um, we don't talk about where the money comes from and where it's going. And maybe we should, because for everybody who's struggling, it seems like this promised land and it's not like talk a little bit about that. Cause I think that's kind of also at the heart of your comedy is sort of exposing, you know, like if you can call your mom and September's taken care of in a bind, you're not poor. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely not broke. If you can call somebody right now to, to cover your full month of rent. Um, there's a, uh, I mean, the dishonesty part is kind of weird. Cause one, I talk, I talk about how, yeah, there's a lot of uh, people with money who pretend that they don't have it so that they can fit in sort of with the, the poorer the majority people. of Americans. Right. I, <laughs> I mean, most people have nothing. So this is the biggest group. Everybody wants to fit in. So they go, well, I'll wear, you know, ripped jeans or I'll pretend that I do this. Uh, again, that came from my, I would live with this guy for a minute who, who told me that, uh, yeah, he goes, I'm going to call my dad to pay my rent. And I go, I go, what's your, I go, did you grow up with money? He goes, no, no, we didn't have money. And I go, well, what did your dad, what's your dad do? His dad was the president of CBS sports. <laughs> but in this man's world, there are, you know, people above him with jets. So he's like, we didn't have anything because, you know, look at, um, I don't know. Look at uh, Mark Cuban. He's got money. You go, buddy, you have more money than most of the the, the earth. (laughs) Like it's craziness. It's funny, but it's so important to observe this. And even I think it was Jay-Z who said, there's always another level. 
Yeah. So even when you're Jay-Z, you're like always looking for the, you know what my grandmother told me? There's always a lower level, Farnoosh. There's always a basement. Okay. So I'm way more grateful for that perspective because it yeah, makes me funny. appreciate what I have. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm aspirational. I'm ambitious. It didn't strip me of that, yeah. but it made me really like feet on the ground, you know, like this is, and this is what I have is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love that you bring that up. So how much of your comedy is informed by your life? You talked about this roommate who sort of said that this like ridiculous thing about not being well off. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. his dad, you know, makes millions of dollars a year. You know, you grew up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I don't know culturally how different that is. It's so close to the, the border here. Like how, yeah. how different was that growing up as far as like your money culture growing up? And then now, of course, living in New York, making a stand-up career, hustling. Um, tell us a little bit about how your life is informing the stage. Uh, I mean, most of the things I talk about are things from my actual life or things that uh, I come across that hit me in, in a certain way. And that's why a lot of this money stuff I've had for a while and put together because I mean, growing up in Nova Scotia, I joked about how, yeah, people who had a garage, I thought people had money to take it a step further than that. I thought everybody who had a dad had money. Like (laughs) I thought every single person who had two parents in their house was the richest people alive because I grew up in a single parent uh, home. I'm also a single mom. Most of my friends were, they had single moms. So money was, a real concern constantly from, from, from since I can remember there's been, you know, my mom's complaint about bills. This is a time when student loan offices could call your house and be like, where's the money? Yeah. All collectors. Yeah. Yeah. All collectors. Yeah. So, so, uh, money and the lack of it and the, and the thought of it being a, a real thing that exists on this earth has been a huge part of my life. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of this stuff comes from that it's, it's, it's been around forever. What is the behind the scenes of the economic behind the scenes of building a stand-up career in New York? I mean, on the one hand, you're in New York, you're on the biggest stages, all the shows, all the tonight shows and your YouTube specials killing it. But Let's be honest. What's it like behind the scenes? It, the, the behind the scenes are kind of this. When you start comedy, you make absolutely zero dollars for a decent amount of years. And when I say zero, I'm talking like in your first couple of years, you might do a show every once in a while that pays you 50 bucks, like zero. You're not making money on it. Then you're kind of, I guess, where I would be, which is like you can make it an, an okay living. It's a lot of running around. Nobody really knows who you are and you're kind of getting by. And then there's the level after me, which is the most famous human beings alive who, <laughs> who sell out arenas and they can't count their money fast enough as well. So the behind the scenes are, I'd say if there's anybody listening to this podcast, who's like, Oh, maybe I'll get into comedy. That's money. No, <laughs> don't do that. That's a fast <laughs> track because what you just described too, I feel like, the, the, the step one to step two of like, you make nothing and then you're doing well ish, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's still a hustle and, but you're getting out there and you're making momentum that can be like a five-year investment. If it's all you're doing and you're good, obviously, and you're talented, which you are, and you're getting to these places. But 
then to get to like the million followers on or the you know millions of followers on social, which kind of is the metric now. I mean, yeah. we're seeing social media be the fertile ground for the folks who then get the Netflix specials and get booked on the comedy circuits that that could take 10 years mm-hmm. um, or or maybe less. Like, what's your timeline? What is, and are you in it to win it? Because like a lot of people in entertainment, they're like, I'm giving myself till 40 and then I'm going to uh-huh. make it like a, I'm going to work at. Yeah, no, wherever. CV, CVS until they CVS, turn. Yeah, we're going to run CVS sports. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until until they turn every single thing job. into a, a, a robot controlled environment. Yes, I will go work some low level thing. I am maybe a complete idiot. I this is what I'm going to do until AI takes us all out. I, I, there's not even anything. And it's not like, um, I need to get to a certain place. There's obviously a lot of things that I want to do and all that sort of deal, but I really like and have since I was about 10, I love stand up. I'm one of those idiots. I'm, I'm here, whether it's millions of dollars or, or, or or clearly not. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, um, I like it. I like what it is. I want to keep it going. I hope it doesn't uh, go anywhere, but, um, so yeah, there's no like kind of d- thing in my mind of if I get to this point and I don't have a boat, I'm going to walk <laughs> away. Um, I'd like a boat, I guess. That seems like well, an okay thing to have. Uh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want a boat? I mean, and just, can you tell us the joke that you have about like the CEO who pretended he didn't know he was selling oh. a cancerous drug or whatever, <laughs> uh, or a cancerous yeah. Windex or whatever. And then he's like, I had no idea. Then he disappears. Yeah. But no, he knew. And yeah. why did he know? Because he makes a ton of money. That's why. Because he has a yacht. <laughs> he boat. Yeah, you been, he's on, you been a, on yacht. a yacht. Yeah. I, I talked to a guy the other night, actually. Um, host went up and they were asking people in the crowd, talking uh, people. Somebody in the crowd said they were a lobbyist. And the host said, for who? And they wouldn't respond. So when I got on stage, I go, look, man, if you can't say what your job is, it's evil. There, there's, there's no way this person doesn't go to bed at night rotating harshly about what, however it is that they make money, but they're in a nice bed. They have a nice house and and somehow they're able to, uh, you know, be like, you know, I lobby for, I don't know, pouring tobacco directly into fresh water supplies. But you know, I have a, I have an air fryer. I got a, I got a smart fridge. So what do, what do you, what do you want from me? I mean, really what you're, what you're, what you're pinpointing is this capitalist world that we live in. And what's the big thesis? Can you, let's take like a giant step back. What is your big sort of understanding of how we even got to these jokes because of patriarchy, because of the system, because it's human nature to be competitive and money, like our relationship with money is so fraught that now we're here and it's just, we have to laugh or we're going to cry. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's definitely the system I think it's, um, yeah, people's mentalities seem to be, it has to be a billion dollars or nothing. If you can't get, not everybody's obviously, but if you can't get to a billion, your life is sort of useless and stupid. And what have you even done when there's so much money before that? Um, And also, again, just the idea that there's, you know, we, one, I guess one of the thesis as well is that, and I've had arguments with people about this as stupid as it sounds, money does not buy happiness. And we know this, we know this, we've seen countless people become rich and then fall into a gutter addicted to some kind of pill 
in a year or two or whatever. People that win the lottery end up there. A lot of their lives end up becoming completely miserable. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who have just about zero. They work back shift at Walmart and they couldn't be happier. There's so but I think they would be happier with maybe some more money to get them better health insurance. Sure, I think that there is, I totally agree. I think if you're a millionaire and you get another million that year, that's not going to be your happiness solution. Yes. I think though, there is sort of a, a minimum amount of money that everyone would benefit from. Um, yes. And that is not debatable, but yeah, I think you're right. I think we have this all or nothing mentality around money and there's no middle ground and it's all about, well, what's next? What's the next level? What's the next airplane? What's the next big job? And until we basically, I mean, there's no end to that. So it's kind of a self, it's a, it's a, it's self-sabotaging. I was talking on the podcast the other day about like, what is enough for you and how do we come, what's the calculus? And I thought this guest was going to say, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta think about, what would make you happy down the road? Now she's like, no, no, no. You think about what is the bare minimum amount of money you need every month to survive. That's enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cause then you can't, you know, and then what, cause you're going to make more than that. Yeah. So you will always be satisfied. And if you think that you never have enough because you've never reached this, like, you know, theoretical number, then you're, you're never going to be happy. But to think again, also like my grandmother, right? Like think about what you don't have or what Mm -hmm. you do, or like the minimum that you have and how that's actually afforded you quite a life. Mm -hmm. This idea of chasing enough is, is like you're running in circles. How did you, just just to bring up uh, healthcare as well, people definitely would like a little bit more to afford healthcare, but that industry as well, the the money that happens there and the things that people in, in healthcare, and when I say, I don't mean just anybody, the stuff, how, how much they'll charge for oh my hospital God. visits, all, all of that sort of things, uh, medication. I mean, they themselves are, are in that whole, like, we need to get as much as we possibly can and people be damned. You know, this pill costs whatever, 30 cents. We could charge, five dollars for it and make money but no no we'll charge fifty dollars a pill so that we have to we can get two yachts this year or some other kind of insane thing do you believe in there's such a thing as having too much money yeah so like these these billionaires and the jeff bezos and the elon musks of the world that's a danger to society yep Mm mm-hmm I think, I think, and I know that some may be, you know, I'm a, whatever, I'm some kind of communist monster, but the, the idea that there's a spectrum between, I don't like billionaires and I'm a communist monster. I you're think right, you're right. middle ground there. I want to give you some credit. Thank you. The, the idea that you can buy a country, um, and we sort of, the other thought I kind of have is like, how, well, how did they make the money? This is also the the thought that I Cause we also kind of gotten to a place where, well, they have billions, so they must be cool or that's so cool that they got the money. But you go, yeah, yeah, but how, how did they do it? And you hear all <laughs> these stories about Amazon, uh, making workers d- drive 16 hours with no bathroom breaks and they cut their, their health benefits, their health benefits were cut at some point in time. So, so is that cool that the man has billions of dollars, but he, he did it from these ways. I don't think so. So, you know what I mean? So yeah. And also, how much money do you need in all seriousness? Like how much money needs to just sit there, just sitting there doing what? 
collecting interest. You could buy Latvia well, for God's I mean, sake. You live in New York, all these skyscrapers that have been purchased by who knows who for mm-hmm. 20 million, 30 million, $50 million. And they're empty. Hmm. Meanwhile, the homeless problem, the mental health problem that nobody can even get a doctor's appointment. I mean, there's so many financial problems in the city, housing related, health related, public health related, all of it. And meanwhile, there are empty $50 million homes. Someone paid for that and just like could afford to just let it collect dust. Hmm. I also think about those buildings and how, because you go uh, $50 million for, now this is me. If I had, if I had $10 billion, I would still never buy a $50 million place. That just seems insane to me. But I also feel you live in one of those buildings. Do you know how cold it must be in there? (laughs) Like, you see a doorman who you probably hate. You take a a the wind tunnels, yeah. Too. You take I mean, a you take, but you take. I mean, cold is it is in like dark and alone. Oh you, yeah. You take an elevator up to your apartment, so you don't even see your other neighbor. And this is how people want it. They want to live in these weird little places, kind of near each other, but not. It just so, sounds so depressing and dark. I I have a theory, and this is up for debate, but I would love to hear what you think. I think that money, the more you have it, the more you become who you really are, Mm -hmm. like at the core. And and that is not to say that everybody becomes these monsters, like money makes people bad. I think not to give money that much power, but Mm -hmm. I think that like if you're a generous person and you don't have millions of dollars, you can still exhibit generosity through your time and your patience and your advice giving. And then when you become wealthy and you actually have a tool called money, then you'll use that too to do the things that, that, that speak to who you are. And then so these people who live in like these like sort of dark and cold dungeons that are $50 million. (laughs) I wonder what they're like in real life. I think that it suits them, you know, like they are now using their money, their majillions to do this big gesture of a purchase, but that actually does make sense for based on who they are. Like we Mm -hmm. probably won't be surprised to meet who's, who who the owners are behind these apartments. Yes. But also would you, do you want to be that person? That, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not that person. Yeah, so yeah, my, yeah. So, yeah. So, so please send me money is what I'm saying. Please, <laughs> um, after the, yes. Listen to the end of the show. I'll provide the P.O. box. <laughs> I do think you're right, though. I think money itself is not the 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 deal um, because there's very good people who have a lot of money. But uh, but yes, then there's people who oh, just have no real I don't know what it is. No moral compass or, or are they just able to shut off all of the things that tell you not to kind of be a, a, a yeah a, I mean the world's not fair the people yeah. who are so deserving of all of the things have the worst luck you know and and then on the flip side we have billionaires who are leveraging uh the time and the health of their workers to fill their bank accounts so <laughs> you have had an incredible rise in recent years I mean as an observer I can say like to get on these major evening shows like the Tonight Show and Stephen Colbert and then you know I think comedy seller and all your touring and all what was the breakout for you um what was like if you, you could nail a moment like oh was it it may not have been in a moment but it was like when I finally cracked this sort of genre of of humor uh, when I find, like, when did you really feel like you were in a groove? I mean, I, I if I'm being serious with it, I'm hoping this podcast will be the breakout. Oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> this is where it all started. Um, I mean, probably, I mean, coming from, coming from Nova Scotia, I always kind of wanted to be in New York and do comedy with 
all of the, my, my favorite comedians are from New York. So this is where I wanted to be. And I guess the first type of thing in New York that made me feel like, okay, I guess things are, you know, it was probably starting to work at the comedy cellar because that's where all of the famous people go. And that's where people go. This is probably the best club in the world. So being able to start doing shows there, I kind of thought, oh, you know, this is, uh, it's the Holy grail. It's the Holy grail for anyone who's not familiar with the comedy cellar. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the history and how difficult it is to get on stage there. And then once you're on that stage, it's, it's pretty great. I mean, things happen. You meet everybody. I mean, I was at the comedy cellar one night and they kept dragging out the acts. They're like, okay. And we was like, like 1 a.m. Uh-huh. supposed to be open because Dave Chappelle was stopping by, ladies and gentlemen. Surprise. And yeah. we, this was like, a you know, 20 years ago. Um, he did that Monday. I mean, what Same a deal. Yeah. 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 They were like, uh, wow. well, our, because we they knew he was coming and he was going to be like, so they were like, everybody's time is cut. <laughs> we're not dragging the show out because the man is here. So you have, instead of 15 minutes, you're doing eight and then he's going to go on. But, but, um, I mean, the process of getting in there is, uh, just a lot of years of doing stand up and, and, um, you know, and then being in there is great. But I feel that that was one of the first things that I kind of thought, okay, maybe I'm, uh, you know, I don't know. Okay. At this, but then there's also, you know, doing your own thing. There's also the complete other side where some days you go, I'm not, what am I doing? I'm not good at this. What am I doing? I should go, I should go work back shift at a Walmart. I would love to hire you. And if you haven't started this yet, I'm going to give you a little uh, strategy advice here. Companies, keynotes. <laughs> I swear. Just, I like the blanket of just companies. <laughs> companies, all the companies that have stages or have virtual, you could do a virtual, like, especially because you talk at the intersection of money and culture and business and culture. It's their zeitgeist and their alley. And I think that they would love to, I, I, mean, I actually had a guy on the show one time. He came from, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks. He worked at these high tech companies, high power tech companies, and he decided to start um, his comedy career kind of later mm. in life, like in his forties, but he didn't totally abandon that corporate side of his brain and his relationships. And he used that because he, he jokes about like corporate America and, and, and stuff. He gets these gigs on stages and he travels to like, you know, conferences. And even when I worked for a company, they hosted everybody in town and brought a comedian in one night to entertain us. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. Thinking outside the box for you, Nathan, all the time. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. When you are at like the comedy cellar and uh, Dave Chappelle shows up or, or as you are doing your, your, your profession, who is a, who is someone that you've always wanted to meet that you met them and they gave you really good advice? Some of that has given me really good advice. I mean, uh, if I, well, probably the nicest, well, just, just two things real quick. The nicest yeah. comedian I've ever met in my entire life who I got to open four years ago was Bob Saget e- easily Aww. the nicest, most generous human being that comedy wise that I've met. I mean, this man, so great. Real quick, I apologize. I I met him and then I moved to New York. I met him in Toronto, and I was like, he was so nice to me that night that I thought he was like, stay in touch, whatever. So when I moved to New York, I thought I don't know anybody in New York. I go, but maybe I'll reach out to Bob and see if he can kind of help me out at all. I message Bob. He he call this man calls me he calls my phone and i'm listening to him and i'm like this guy has like 300 million dollars he could be anywhere he could be anywhere on this earth doing anything with anybody and he's taking the time to call me anyways 
Um, that's so sweet. Advice wise. And that's uh, classic Bob. I've heard that story now. I mean, yeah. Dave was the, um, from Full House, the, his co-star. Coulier. Dave Coulier mm-hmm. said a similar thing. He didn't know anybody. He got to LA. He called Bob because he met him in Toronto. And Bob was like, you don't have a place to stay? I got a couch. And yeah. the rest of history. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, the Well, I mean, as far as talking to famous people, um, I've kind of met most of the people at this point in time. Um, advice wise, I don't really ask, maybe this is, maybe this is me being an idiot. I don't really ask too much advice of, because I don't want, I don't know. I don't want to put anybody out when you're, especially at the cellar, it kind of feels like, uh, everybody's in a break room and yeah. we're all sort of there. So I never really want to bother anybody, but I'll yeah, say this. It's not the right room to be asking yeah. for advice, but, uh, or even things that you have learned, Already from your own experience, like looking back, I wish I had known this as I was trying to get my footing. And and it, I mean, it could be nothing because it sounds like you've had a pretty awesome foray into comedy, but I don't know. Or even it could have been about money, a money lesson. Hmm. Let's, let's talk about that. I'm not lying. This is probably the best thing any comedian has ever said to me. This guy He's they everybody called him crazy Bob. Everybody thought this guy was nuts. So I'm going to work with this man. And I thought, okay, everybody says he's crazy. He's crazy. I I meet him. He goes, How long am I doing comedy? I told him at the time. I was young. I was 20 something. And he goes, Okay, let me give you some advice. And I thought, here we go. Here's crazy Bob. He's gonna say something nuts. He goes, save 10% of everything you make. Ah. And I'm like, what? And he goes, he goes, save 10% of everything you make. He goes, this business is hell. You might break your leg. You can't work for a while. There's nothing. He goes, there is nothing other than what you have. So he goes, save 10% of everything you make in case things happen. And I went, whoa, great, done. And uh, awesome. since then, I've done that or Love more. Bob. At that Love time. Bob. Yeah. That, Bob was so 21. underestimated. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? I think that's why people comedians thought he was crazy because he he wasn't just He's logical. You know what I mean? it's quite logical. Yes, <laughs> he didn't say do and you know stay up till four in the morning and drink or something. He said save ten percent of everything you make. And he's never asked anyone for money, which was also strange. Maybe you know he had like nice things <laughs> and yeah. Huh? Have you kept in touch with Bob? What's Bob? Bob passed away. Oh wait, this is Bob Saget. No, oh. no, 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 no. This is a okay. Bob. But both of these men have passed yes. away. Both oh. Bobs have passed away. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Bob, when he rest in, in power, that's <laughs> so great that you ran into him. That wasn't a coincidence, I don't think. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure you appreciate that now as you're, you know, uh, looking, examining at um, our money culture because, uh, well, how'd you survive COVID with your career? Was it actually like an inflection point because everybody had to get online and suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, maybe more people could find you? Uh, there's that. There was still some small shows going on in terms of, I mean, they started doing shows outside and there was Zoom stuff and all that sort of thing. But if I'm being serious, uh, I have saved money since Bob. So, so there was like, um, I, I, thankfully I didn't have to fully panic, even though I was fully panicking, obviously, but, but for the, for a little bit of time, I go, okay, well I have, you know, a little bit of money to pay some bills and all that kind of thing until something happens until we can start working again at some point in time. 
And that's from Bob. Crazy Bob. Wow. I'm going to stop right there because I think what a way to put a nice bow on this conversation. Got to learn a little bit about some of your financial advice. I'm so like that is what you want. You know, you want, you wanted the advice to, to help you out and what a time to help you out. And, and, mm-hmm. and not only did he help you with your money, he probably helped you with your confidence during that time period to then like keep it going and not pivot mm-hmm. and go, well, I guess I should go work at the post office. I don't know. <laughs> that does seem like a pretty sweet job though. Great shorts, <laughs> cool hats. Your own car. I mean, it's pretty great. Your own little car. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Nathan McIntosh. Thank you so much. Where can we find you next? I'm going to have to send everyone to your YouTube special, your Instagram. I'm sure you probably have a TikTok. If you don't, I have more respect for you. <laughs> I have a TikTok, but I, I don't really use it much because I'm one of the people, ban it, get it out of here. Let's go. Um, but I'm on Instagram at Nathan McIntosh, M-A-C-I-N-T-O-S-H. And uh, yeah, the special uh, Money Never Wakes. It's on um, it's on YouTube and, and uh, NathanMcIntosh.com for upcoming shows. I'm going to be in a lot of places this summer and the fall. So yeah, come out. And Google, Facebook, Amazon, big companies, small companies, startups. If you're, if you're listening <laughs> to this, call me. I will connect you with Nate. I, Nate, I only just, I take 10%. It's all. Thank you so much. Thank you for reaching out to me. I feel so honored that you selected so money as a, as a place to, to share your awesome humor and ideas. Come back anytime. Thank you so much. I appreciate having me. This is great. Thank you. Thanks so much to Nathan for joining us. Again, his special is called Money Never Wakes. I have that link in our show notes. I'll see you back here on Wednesday. Keep laughing. I hope your day is so money. Money.